Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies this Monday as we begin our offseason discussions here. My name is Peter Edmiston. Thank you so much for joining me as part of the podcast and part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you for uh, all of the correspondence as well. A lot of you can get in touch on Twitter and via email, and we're going to get to a lot of those over the uh, coming days and weeks. You can always get in touch with me at Peter Edmiston on Twitter and email-wise, uh, P Edmiston at gmail.com. That's P Edmiston at gmail.com. Um, so we're going to talk today on the program about the steps of the off season. And first one that we're going to talk about today is going to be the coaching situation. We'll get into the uh, draft stuff a lot over the course of the next, you know, I don't know. We had two months. We got a month till the draft lottery. Uh, we've got plenty of time to, to get into all of that. And uh, believe me, I've got plenty of opinions on, uh, on where things should be. And we're going to have some folks on, too, that are going to help us uh, discuss a lot of uh, the potential draftees that the Grizzlies will be dealing with what is the most important draft uh, in franchise history. So, uh, But today I want to start with the coaching situation and get into that a little bit. And um, the big thing that it was, we, we've kind of gotten into it online a little bit and uh, we talked a lot about it at a media day. And... Um, I'll start with the discussion about J.B. Bickerstaff, and and here's a little montage of J.B. and some of the players talking a little bit about what he has done and their opinions of him. Uh, we'll uh, we'll get into the discussion after that, but I want you to kind of hear a little uh, supercut of what J.B. and the players had to say. First, let's hear from J.B. Bickerstaff himself about the timetable that he would like to have uh, for this job, and uh, then you'll hear from some of the players about how they feel about JB and the job that he's done and the fact that they want to keep him around. I mean, obviously you hope as soon as possible, right? No one wants to be uh, in limbo. Um, but, you know, again, we understand the nature of the beast. Um, and we did a job, you know, as a coaching staff. Uh, I think we laid the foundation and we executed the plan that we were asked to execute. Um, you know, so you have to have comfort in that. I think you know there's a confidence there that you know, what we were asked to do we did, uh, and the young guys got better. And so you sit back, you know, you have the opportunity now to you know be a normal person <laughs> for a few days. Uh, you try to enjoy those few days, and you know the decision's going to be made. Um, you know what we had to control over, uh, we controlled. Right now, we just sit back and wait and see what happens. He definitely deserves it. Deserves a great opportunity having this job because of you know, given the circumstances, not a lot of coaches could handle that. You know, and he handled it at his worst, and um, and that's what I like about him. You know, the most is I got to see him. You know, when when things were were rough, and you know, everybody's a good coach. Everybody does great things when they're winning. Your players are playing great, and everybody's healthy, and everybody looks good. But when things are not going right, he was able to still. Um, you know, lead by example, um, you know, hold guys accountable and still implement his culture on this team. Uh, he done, he's done a tremendous job um, with the tools that he was given and what he was allowed to do. Um, you know, he's held the guys accountable um, as much as he could. Um, you know, he's been positive. He's coming to work every day. Um, he had, you know, through all the mess and, and, and situation, uh, he done, he's done a great job, to be honest. So obviously... They really think highly of JB, uh, the job that, that he's done. JB is 
you know, certainly believes he should get the gig. Understandably so. I mean, all of this makes perfect sense based on what we know uh, about the the situation at hand. So let's talk a little bit about the job that uh, the J.B. Bickerstaff did. How do we even analyze it? How do we even discuss it? How do you, you categorize what J.B. was asked to do? And remember, he came in 19 games into the season. Grizzlies were 7-12. and 12. David Fisdale was fired. J.B. was his lead assistant, you know, brought in to provide uh, experience and brought in to uh, help out. They have a very close relationship. I mean, J.B. was in Fisdale's wedding. Uh, you're, you're talking about guys that, that were friends, so it's not an easy thing to step in. Even though J.B. was getting an opportunity as the um, interim coach, it's not easy to step in for a guy that you are so close with and then, you know, just kind of try not to miss a beat. And obviously they missed several beats, missed everything. It was a horrible season. And in that horrible season, J.B. Bickerstaff orchestrated 15 wins. But to even talk about wins and losses over the course of that season, is it's almost an irrelevant measure of the coaching job that J.B. Bickerstaff is capable of doing because J.B. was asked to do a lot of things that he wouldn't have chosen to do in and of himself. You're dealing with a team that rested a whole lot of very viable players, um, to try to lose games. You're talking about a team that was perfectly fine with losing as much as possible to maximize the draft pick value. It's not really fair to judge a coach when he is um, asked to, told to, depending on you know who you talk to, encouraged to, whatever phrasing you want to say. It was not entirely up to JB, the rotations that he played, and uh, the way that the guys were, were emphasized, you know, playing... Jarrell Martin as a three, for example, I don't think it was something that JB was like, man, we gotta gotta try Jarrell at the three. No, I think that was a uh, a move that was thrust upon him. I think some of the rotations of the bigs were thrust upon him. Obviously, the rest was certainly thrust upon him. All that stuff, you know, you can't really. So I, I don't. I think people that say, oh, I don't like his rotations, they weren't really his rotations. I don't know what you can say about his rotations, but those weren't when well, those weren't his rotations. So if you're judging him on that, don't. That's not really an adequate way to judge him. If you're judging him on wins and losses, don't. Again, this is not a an adequate way of actually you know judging the performance that he had because again you're you're talking about wins and losses, wins and losses that were impossible to come by and by design, wins that were impossible to come by, losses that were easy to come by. You know that was uh, that was not something that this team was expected to do. That was not something that this team. Uh, was, I mean, you know, this was a season that, that, that went completely squirrely very early on, and no one could have reined that in. So you can't expect JB to be judged off of you know, the season like that, and you really can't judge him on his rotation. So what do you judge him on? Well, a lot of people are judging him on the fact that he is a good guy. And JB is a good guy. He is a very good guy. Uh, I enjoy talking to the guy on, I mean, just from what for whatever it's worth, I enjoy talking to the guy personally. He's always been very easy to deal with, very kind, uh, very giving of his time, uh, a lot of fun, funny guy on top of that, uh, lots of jokes. So um, yeah, I mean, he's a good family guy. There's there's a lot to like about, about JB on a personal level. Uh, and, and he's done a, a really good job, I think, of working with the players, dealing with what he can deal with, keeping the young players, for the most part, on the right track, getting uh, some extra juice out of some of them. You know, Kobe Simmons, Dylan Brooks, uh, you know, have, have both impressed 
in their stands. Obviously, Marshawn Brooks is not a young player per se, but he's integrated him in nicely. So, you know, those those are good things. To Ivan Rabs done a nice job. I mean, they're, 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 those are the, the things that you say, okay, good. That, that, that's a good job. Um, but is it enough to merit the head job? Is it enough to merit the, the, the head coaching position? Uh, let's hear what Grizzlies GM Chris Wallace has to say about his evaluation of the uh, job and also the timetable that's involved in potentially uh, making a decision about JB on a long-term basis. You'll hear Grizzly sideline reporter Rob Fisher in this cut. Well, I think JB and his staff did a, a rather admirable job in rather tough sleddings. You know, with the injuries, not having Mike Conley around, that uh, very young nature of the team. Uh, I thought they kept these guys motivated, focused. They worked hard every day. And what was also very impressive, the one time where we briefly dropped the rope in Charlotte, they got us right back on track immediately for the next game on. So the guys developed, they got better, and uh, I give them, give them credit. I mean, it's not the, an easy assignment that they were given in those in the difficult circumstances that they had to work under. How long before a decision is discussed? There's no made? timetable. Uh, fish. I mean, we'll get started on that now that the season's over with. So all of this discussion brings me to an email that I got. I mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast that, that, that you know, I, I love to get your emails and uh, all those discussions that, that you guys send me on Twitter, emails. It gives me something to think about, and I, and I appreciate all of them. And, and a lot of this, um, you know, discussion's going to continue. I, there, there's all different ways to think about it. But I thought that uh, Chase Lucas, a guy that whose pod I was on um, and who has kind of taken a little bit of a sabbatical from Twitter, but you may know him as at deep fried couch. Um, he is, uh, he's a good dude and a longtime Grizzly fan and a season ticket holder, I believe. And so, um, you know, he came with a question. And I thought it was a really, really good one to, to kind of get into this discussion a little bit. He says, has everybody lost their friggin' minds? This just give the job to JB stuff is lunacy. The guy was in a tough spot and he took the hits, handled them with poise, and likely helped the young guys as much as he could. What does any of that have to do with whether or not he's the best coach to lead the Grizzlies moving forward? Even if he ends up being the guy they hire, I'm struggling with the logic. He deserves it because it was a tough year and he navigated a tank in graceful fashion? Because Mark, Mike, and Chandler, LOL, 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 really like him and think he should get the job? The same people who correctly say that the draft pick can't be based on Gasol turnaround and in the next breath want him to pick the coach? The question is this. What are the odds that Bickerstaff is the absolute best coach they can get? Maybe he is because maybe it would be impossible to get quality candidates because of franchise and roster quality slash stability. Could we at least find out, though? I will always believe that the number of willing people willing to turn down one of 30 coaching positions isn't that large. You aren't getting a glamour name, but how about at least exploring those who are thought of as bright basketball minds? People seem chill just to give them the job without any legitimate exploration of other candidates, which points to a level of ineptitude that is supposed to be the very thing that frustrates everyone about this front office. Is this support, speaking mainly of media, a product of people just really liking him and assuming it's heading in that direction anyway? Maybe I'm reading the whole thing incorrectly, but this is the general feel I get based on what I read and listen to. So Chase, I think that's a excellent, excellent uh, email, and you bring a, a very good perspective to this, and it's one that I absolutely 100% agree with. And we have to go through a few things here, and this is part of the reason why I um, asked Marcus Gasol a couple of weeks ago about his role, what he thought the role of coaching was 
in the NBA. It's why I've discussed it a lot uh, here on the podcast, on Twitter, on my radio show. Um, it's been a, a big thing for me is getting down to the the reality of how this team and this franchise, most importantly, and it's not just Robert Para. It was even before Robert Para, but it's how this team and the front office that's been in place for the better part of a decade really feels about coaches. And the truth is they just don't value head coaching. And I certainly think they should. And you certainly think they should. And most people I think out there certainly think they should, but they don't. That's the truth of it. They don't. And so I want that to be the backdrop of this discussion about J.B. Bickerstaff because Chase is absolutely right. And let's look at the landscape right now as it stands in the NBA. There are several teams that are looking actively out there looking for coaches. You have Orlando, you have Charlotte, you have Phoenix, you have New York. It is very probable that you will have Milwaukee when all is said and done. Right now they uh, have Joe Prunty. It is possible that you will have uh, the Clippers in that group. Right now you don't, but that seems to be the, the rumor is that Doc may not be long for that position. So with all that being said, now the Grizzlies are not technically part of that group, which is really interesting to think about that the Grizzlies are not actually at this point part of the group that is officially out there looking for a coach. It's about 20% of the league that is, and the Grizzlies at this point are not. Now, I'm with Chase. On the face of it, that seems absurd to me. It seems crazy to me. You have uh, a very competent and very capable and a guy that's done a nice job, uh, interim coach and J.B. Bickerstaff, but... Why on earth would you settle for J.B. Bickerstaff just because everyone likes him? Why would that be the indicator that he's the best that you can do? I bring that up because it's really evident that this organization doesn't care so much about the best that they can do. What they care about is the most expedited way they can get it done. What they care about is the guy that will go and coach for cheap, the guy that needs the opportunity, the young guy who wants to get a leg up, the newcomer, someone who will coach for a lot less. Look how long it has been since they've had a legitimate head coach with previous NBA head coaching experience. Haven't hired one since 2007. Actually haven't technically hired one since 2005. Um, you know, Hubie Brown, Mike Fratello, that was it. After that, you know, Ivoroni, Tony Baroni, uh, Lionel Hollins, Dave Yeager, David Fisdale, now J.B. Bickerstaff, all coaches and interim coaches, none of them had NBA head coaching experience uh, in an actual full head coaching role before they took the Grizzlies job. That's okay to, to, to do. I'm not saying that, that everyone needs to. There are plenty of examples of guys who didn't have it and who jumped in and were terrific. But if it's all you ever do, if it's the only type of guy that you take, then you as an organization have a problem with vision, then you as an organization have a problem prioritizing the position. And I want to make that clear. It is not necessary that you uh, interview every single coach out there. It is not necessary that you uh, scour the ranks top to bottom. I mean, there there are you know quicker... Searches, slower searches. There's lots of different ways that you can do it. 
But if every way that you do it, and believe me, the Grizzlies have done it a lot because they've had plenty of coaching searches out there. If the way that you do it is simply to take either the most convenient guy in the case of, you know, Dave Yeager or J.B. Bickerstaff or Lionel Hollins back in the day, uh, sometimes that works out okay. Sometimes that doesn't. If that's your only approach or the approach to take the hot young assistant in the case of David Fisdale and Mark Ivoroni, if you've never actually tried any of the other approaches, if you never actually tried to go hire a coach, when they went and interviewed Frank Vogel originally, they offered him what was not nearly a market value offer to come and coach, and he left and never went back, never turned his head back, never thought about Memphis again. If you don't value the position, then what's the point? So here I'm advocating here not only for a wider interview process, but just in general an overhaul of how you think about coaches. Coaches need to not only have a measure of control, but you need to compensate them in a way that allows them to have a little bit of authority. Right now, the Grizzlies, there's no authority within the coaching staff. I mean, the best player on your team, Marcus Gasol, I mean, it's arguable, I guess, Mike Conley, Tyreek, I don't know, but you, you get what I'm saying. One of the best players on the team, Marcus Gasol has a direct line, a very good conversational line with Robert Para, and he's used it, you know, here and there, but he's got that. Mike Conley has that direct line. When they came into the league, when Robert Para first arrived on the scene and he went to have dinner, he had dinner with Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol. Cut out a lot of people in between, including coaches, other players, all that stuff. Well, if you're a coach and you get hired for the cheapest salary of any coach in the entire NBA, and you are basically expendable over the course of, I mean, we've seen it now, over the course of the last decade, you know, guys have come and gone very quickly within the Grizzlies organization, and they can do it cheaply because they don't pay it. When you don't have that authority, how can you really take control? And then when you see a guy... And David Fisdale, whether you agreed or not, whether you loved everything Fisdale did or didn't, when he came in and was authorized, according to Chris Wallace, and according to Robert Perrin, according to this front office, when he was authorized to come in and and execute a culture change, to go from the core four and grit and grind to whatever the next thing was, he was supposed to do that. And that meant change some stuff behind the scenes. That meant change some personnel. That meant change the way they do things. That meant make it a little uncomfortable for some of the players out there. That meant a lot of different things. To start that process off, and it was uncomfortable, and a lot of guys didn't like it. And there were some, you know, there was some friction in the locker room. No question about it. It wasn't easy. But he went at it in a straightforward fashion, talked to a lot of these guys, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And to have his knees cut out from under him basically 100 games into his reign before you could even get a real feel for how this whole thing was going, it tells you there's no commitment to it. There's no commitment to it. So here we are. Now you've got another interim coach and a groundswell of people saying he should keep the position. Well, uh, you know, maybe he should. But not before you go and scour and figure out all the reasons why. He should be in the interview pool just like everybody else. And you can even give him a little bit of a bump and a little bit of a bonus because of the fact that he's, um, you know, got familiarity and relationships and all that stuff is nice. But again, relationships can only take you so far. You're talking about, you know, trying to get the best person 
for the job. You're talking about trying to get the best coach for the position. You're talking about trying to give yourself the best chance to win now. That's what they say, right? They say this is a win now job. So win now situation. They're trying to take the the Spurs approach. I heard that more often than than I care to remember. The Spurs approach means, hey, you know what? We've got a great opportunity here. We've got uh, a chance to get a, a top five pick in addition to a good core, and you can just, just whip this thing right back around. I don't think they're that close personally, but that's the thought that a lot of people have in this situation. Okay. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then why are you going with the unproven coach? Again, it doesn't make any sense. It didn't honestly make any sense to hire David Fisdale. It didn't make any sense. You're bringing a young coach into the mix with a whole bunch of veterans, with a veteran locker room, veteran presence, a way of doing things that's been established over the course of many, many years. You're bringing a new coach into that situation, a brand new coach who had never done it before, and you're plopping him in that veteran locker room. How did you think it was going to go? A coach that's been established and really you know, bred in the culture of the heat and a very distinct team culture, a very distinct way of doing things, and you're going to drop him into the Grizzlies locker room with a bunch of veterans who have done things totally differently, and you expect it to go, what, smoothly? No. So then why'd you cut his knees out? It just speaks to the lack of vision, top to bottom, within this whole organization. And that's why I say, because you've got Steve Clifford, who's out there right now. He got fired by Charlotte. Mitch Kupchak came in uh, as a new GM. And as is the case, a lot of times with, with new GMs, you uh, clear house. But Kupchak had done, and, they, and he cleared house. I mean, not just, not just Clifford, but all the assistants, analytics guys, you know, top to bottom, they cleared the whole thing out. Well, that's not unusual in this kind of a situation. It doesn't mean Steve Clifford's a bad coach. Did a great job with Kemba Walker, who's a lot like Mike Conley. Uh, established great defensive principles. Again, that's kind of what you've got here in uh, in Memphis, potentially a team that, that wants to try to, to, to incorporate that. They added Dwight Howard. They added Dwight Howard, and uh, the team got really you know bad. They had a bunch of injuries. Clifford had a injuries and uh, exhaustion of his own. It was not an easy season, but uh, it doesn't make him a bad coach. Jeff Hornacek gets fired in New York again. Another um, you know front office change, and and, and no surprise there. But he's not, he's three years removed from getting the Suns to 48 wins. And, you know, th- this core of the Suns has changed a bit, but that's, that's not a great franchise. And you see what he was able to do uh, with, with that group. He's not a bad coach. Again, he's out there. Even David Blatt is coming over to interview for some jobs, and he's a player development coach. And he had the, the, the Cavs were 30 and 11 the year that they fired David Blatt. Uh, because he rubbed people the wrong way. Again, sort of sounds like you know some of the stuff that happened with Fisdale. But if he, if he's a guy that you're going to be working with young players, and you want a guy that's you know able to, to get the best out of them, you should at least talk to the guy, right? I mean, you should at least talk to the dude. Talk to him. Talk to Clifford. How about this? Phoenix has interviewed Mike Budenholzer from the Atlanta Hawks. He got permission for the Hawks to talk to Budenholzer. Well, why wouldn't the Grizzlies talk to Budenholzer? Again, another guy who has done it, who's gotten that team into the playoffs, a very good team. Jeff Van Gundy, I don't think he'd come to Memphis. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why you'd be skeptical, but why wouldn't you at least talk to the guy? Why wouldn't you have a conversation? Mark Jackson, why wouldn't you have a conversation? I'm not sure I'd love all those guys or any of those guys, but why wouldn't you talk to him? That's the point. Forget about how you feel about each and every candidate and all that stuff, because we can all have pros and cons. Not everybody that I've named... Uh, I love, not everybody I've named, I hated. 
there's reasons, pros and cons, the whole, the whole mix. Why wouldn't you have a legitimate search? Search. You're trying to find the best coach, the best time for this group that's trying to win now. Why wouldn't you search? Has it been so overwhelmingly great that J.B. Bickerstaff deserves a coronation? Absolutely not. If you want to hire him, much like Phoenix is doing with, with Jay Triano. You know, they're having a search and Triano is part of it. He absolutely deserves to be part of it. JB deserves to be a big part of it. But does he deserve to just get the job just without even a search? Are you kidding me? To me, that delegitimizes the whole thing and emphasizes yet again how little this organization really cares about the head coach, how little they care about paying, how little they care about the perception of the position, how little they care about the whole thing. And maybe it works. But, but it works out of accident. Maybe it works, but it works in, in weird ways. It's not the way that a well-run organization operates. And to me, if you are an ambitious organization, you really have ambition of how you want to handle things, this is not the approach that you take. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think JB deserves the job. Let me know if, who do you think the Grizzlies should go after? Should they have a search? All these things. Let me know on Twitter at Peter Edmiston. You can also email me as Chase did. Believe me, I'll be getting to a lot of your emails over the coming weeks as we uh, get ready for the draft and get ready for all that stuff. We're going to do plenty of draft talk, plenty of coach talk. All that stuff is going to be on the pod. So thank you for listening to this coach-centered version of the pod. More topics later on in the week. More to come. Thank you so much. I'm Peter Edmiston. Have a great Monday, and thanks for listening to Locked on Grizzlies.